normally, you know, we're always really wet up here. We get lots of precip. And usually too much water is uh, the challenge for farming here in Whatcom County and, and Western Washington. You think of California, <laughs> you think of too dry, especially in the recent few years. They've been in such a terrible drought down there. And now, as we've been hearing in the news, that's turned around so much. What does that mean for the farming community down there? What other issues are they facing as, uh, as far as water and natural resources? What are the trends down there? Particularly, I mean, we have so much dairy here locally in, in Whatcom County and here in Washington State. What's going on in California? with dairy it's something we don't often talk about but uh have a connection with some folks down there that i've interviewed on a couple of other things and different podcasts alexander family farms um and here we are uh getting an update this morning believe it or not from blake alexander down in he's close to crescent city in northern california blake welcome to the program this morning and, and thanks for giving us uh, northerners a bit of a, a california update first off you're in northern california and this is i think an element that a lot of people you know they see california in the news and oh california's had floods and stupid amounts of snow and rain and all this but california is a huge place and not everywhere in california has been like that right correct yeah still in that thanks for having us on um great to be here and um yeah, it's kind of funny to hear you talk about me being from California because in in the California setting I am the guy in the north and, and I'm the north I'm I'm the northerner in the room normally yeah. cuz we're literally right on the Oregon border right on the coast and so yeah. we we can hear the waves from our house and uh, we're just uh, the ranch is 3 miles out of Oregon. So in northern California on the coast it sounds like you're a lot more like what we might think of when we think of say some of those those dairy operations up in Tillamook you know you get yes. a, you get a lot of rain generally but it has been dry for you guys the last few years yeah yes uh, yeah Tillamook's a wonderful uh, example you know I, I think they get 100 to 120 inches of rain often um, we we get 80 to 100 so we're just wow. a little behind them in that world and then um, we've been relatively dry, you know, this whole West Coast, uh, Western states drought that's been happening for three years uh, has affected us. But, you know, normally we get enough water. And so um, we, we're able to irrigate our pastures and grasses in the uh, summertime. And so the dry years aren't a huge obstacle. They're, right. they're painful, you know, in, in terms of buying feed stuffs that are grown outside of our local region, like hay and grains that that we do bring into our area and so that's pushed prices way up and it's been very difficult for you know certainly for all of us uh organic farmers or, or even conventional farmers mm -hmm. and and i'm sure you've got plenty of connections <clears throat> further south and in other parts of california um what are you hearing from from folks in farming elsewhere down there that have been in severe drought unlike you folks there on the <laughs> coast um, right. even though, I mean, the flooding has caused a whole raft of problems as well. And the threat of further flooding as we get into spring with the huge snow packs now, that's scary. Yeah. But at the same time, there's gotta be some people who are pretty darn happy that they have some, some water to work with for once. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, a lot of people were praying for rain and, uh, we, we certainly are, have gotten that and they're getting more and more and, uh, 
you know, tremendous amount of snowpack in the hills. And, and of course, now that's causing flooding downstream. And so, you know, the entire California valleys uh, starting down in Bakersfield, Tulare area. I literally just drove through there, my wife and I, about three weeks ago, coming home from Los Angeles. Mm. And on Highway 99, we had to detour around uh, and head east and up through a bunch of county roads and dri- driving through a lot of water and, and the roads were closed everywhere. And this uh, Tulare Lake that has always been a bit of a uh, a mystery to a lot of a lot of young people. <laughs> yeah, an ancient uh, myth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it has now reappeared with a, a million acre feet, I'm told. And and uh, and and you know, and still counting, right? It's, and right. We aren't we aren't sure if that thing's going to be two or three or five feet deep. And you know, a lot of uh, I think ranchers and and certainly farms are 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 underwater now for the first time in a long, long time. It's almost, uh, there's probably some who feel like, well, you can't win for losing because either you don't have anything and the ground is shriveled up uh, and then suddenly you have too much water and your 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 farmland's underwater. Because um, right. a lot of that lake bed for some time has been so long since there's been water there, a lot of that's farmed, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's just a... Uh, you know, a situation of, of being out of balance. And uh, I was actually de- detoured for a mon- moment. Two loads of hay just rolled in, and they're coming from uh, eastern Washington. So we are <laughs> in <Wow>. your world. <laughs> so I watch those drive in the yard right now, and we're just happy uh, to have them. That, that's awesome. And, yeah, we, yeah. We, we do a lot of hay up here in, in Washington <laughs> State, and I know some of yeah. those guys out there. And, yeah, and, so. and people don't recognize hay from eastern Washington goes all over the world. A lot of it yeah. goes overseas to places yeah. like China and Japan, and, and yeah. it's crazy. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's just an example of how we're all connected. Uh, absolutely. Um, but, but back to your, or my comment, I guess, that we have a uh, kind of out-of-balance distribution problem of water, right? Yeah. Too much now, not enough later. Exactly. And, and um, you know, it just emphasizes <clears throat> the fact that we need storage and, and management of water and water systems and watersheds and, and all that. And um yeah, certainly that's been a big part of our life as we have gone organic uh, 25 years ago or so and kind of really embraced this regenerative farming movement and right. understanding, you know, the biology and the soil and the benefits that later come from uh, managing them correctly and basically doing no harm to them is really more important. And um, as we've built organic matter in our soil and our, our ranch, here we uh, we now irrigate a whole lot less, probably yeah. one third of the amount that we used to 30 years ago, and and so that's a huge savings in energy for pumping water and labor and and just effort and, and of course yields have gone up during that same process. And now out there, do you irrigate out of groundwater or or surface water? Uh, generally groundwater in in our region mm-hmm. and and some surface water. So the answer is yes to both. And um, more more groundwater. Groundwater is only 20, 40, 60 feet deep. Um, and so 50 years ago when the main ranch we're on was kind of developed and, and expanded, they drilled a lot of wells that were only 40, 45 feet deep. We've had to now go 60 and 80 just mm-hmm. to, to get a little more water. <clears throat> so even with the amount of rain that you get, that aquifer isn't being recharged fully there? Yeah, it's kind of- yeah, it's a little interesting, and I, I don't fully understand why that's the case. Um, you know, it it, it uh, it's not like we have a lot of pumps 
you know, a lot of straws in the well, if you will, right. that, that are sucking it dry. That, that I don't believe that's it at all. It's right. just, yeah, slightly out of balance with the recharge or right. wells get old and they just don't, you know, they kind of that's plug up, too. if you will. And, yeah, and so and there's a, a little bit of both. <clears throat> and thankfully, that's not uh, usually the case here, uh, at least for us locally here. Uh, we get uh, some pretty darn good aquifer recharge every single year. And that, that water mm-hmm. table, at least in my, I mean, you talk about shallow wells. I got the same thing. I think my the well for, at my place is only 25 feet deep. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and in the middle of winter, that water table will be above the surface in right, certain right. spots. We got standing yeah. water. But what you're talking about there, I mean, you're, you're singing my same tune here as far as water storage and water management. And that's something that, you know, regions of California nearby you there, the Klamath Basin has some water storage and they've been able to manage things because of that. Of course, that's changing now with the dam issues that they have there. Mm -hmm. Um, So and but I've been hearing a lot of talk about that in other parts of California, too, with all this rain. Well, here's all this rain. Here's all this snow. It all just washes right out to the ocean and it's not held back to be able to support not just irrigation or even municipal or any human use, but also for fish in our streams, holding that back and making sure our streams have um, sufficient water in them in our dry seasons is, you know, with a changing climate, that's more important than ever. We need to be pursuing water storage. So it's interesting that you guys are talking about that down there, as are we all the way up here and it's been the source of quite a bit of local controversy here on how to fix um low flow uh in our streams and you know who's to blame is it agriculture and how does that all work you guys in california all over the state um uh, have had various issues like that again we're getting a little bit of an update this morning from california blake alexander is with us here on the farming show alexander family farms he along with his wife stephanie own the operation down there just in terms terms of you know a lot of dairy farmers up here probably quite a few of them listening right now how big is your farm and and you talked about going organic tell us a little bit more about it for people not familiar with alexander family farms okay um we are you know i I, my wife and i moved here 30 years ago to the crescent city area in del Norte county the, the, the the most northern county in california on the coast i originally grew up in humboldt county just south of us 100 miles away we now milk cows in both uh, locations. Our oldest son and his wife live down in Ferndale, and that's my hometown of Ferndale, California, where uh, we have been milking cows on that dairy for uh, since my great-grandmother, so our son is the fifth generation there. And uh, we milk cows on five locations in the two counties, uh, about 4,500 cows, 5,000 in total. Um, and then we also grow some hay in eastern California in Modoc County, which is the other corner in the north, right yeah. next to Oregon as well, and Nevada. And um, we have been processing and, and selling our milk under our Alexander Family Farm label for the last six years. And and um, that's A2 special digestible milk. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to get into that in just a sec, but I think what will be interesting sure. to folks up here is this idea of, you know, and, and some smaller operations up here have done that, but no one that I know of to the scale of, of you folks mm-hmm. down there uh, marketing their own product and, and going mm-hmm. really, I mean, it's, 
I, I don't know. Do you call it direct consumer because you still have <laughs> a big, you know, system in place to be able to, you know, I just saw Alexander uh, Family Farm milk in in local grocery store here the other day. So obviously you cover a huge area with your product. I don't know how far and wide it goes. You could probably, you know, give me uh, more more info on that. But how, how are you making that work? A lot of people are, are looking at, I mean, do they want to continue with the system as it is? Or is there a better option for, for them to have, as a farm, more control of the process and, and more of a brand and, and more involvement of the marketing? <clears throat> yes, we, it's, a, it's a very complex answer to that question. But yeah. I'll just touch on it here and, and try to do my best, Dylan. Sure. Um, we we started our brand really somewhat out of necessity. We had a lot of attributes here on the farm, and and uh, we had been breeding A2 genetics into our cattle for 15 years, looking for some processor or label or or brand to uh, you know buy our milk and 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 pay us a premium, yeah. and uh, it just wasn't happening. And so we we started at the time, which was the very first organic A2 A2 milk in the marketplace here in the United States, and. And so that that was really to bring financial health to the farm and to give us some long-term stability. And and I would say it like this, it, it was a big, huge undertaking. And um, we pretty much bet the farm on it financially. And, and we yeah. put a lot of money into, you know, trying to make that work. Um, it has been absolutely successful. We're really happy with that. Uh, we still have to fix the finances here on the farm because uh, we've, basically put so much money towards the brand yeah and, and we're and we're working on that but it's a uh, it's a huge undertaking yeah. and we've, we've also got five children who've been involved with us and uh, three of the oldest are now married and and working for us full-time and, and a big part of I'd say the success of both the farm and the brand well and that, that's part of the whole thing too is making the operation or, or scaling it to the point where it can support continued family involvement. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people get stuck with a family farm is a couple may have a farm. They raise their kids. Well, let's say, you know, two or three siblings, you know, two or three children want to want to stay, keep on with the farm. And I think everyone agrees that's a good thing. You know, mm -hmm. multi, multi-generational family farms, people are invested for the long term in the sustainability of the operation and the land. That's a wonderful thing. But Suddenly, you need a bigger bottom line to be able to support that many more yeah. people, that many more mouths to feed. And from there on, third generation, fourth generation, how does that go? Um, that's that's the tricky part about it. So, And that's yeah. where I'm sure you guys had to gamble pretty big to make it worth it to do that. Yes, we did. And and I'll tell you, the day it started, we, we were on a tour, a pasture group, uh, a bunch of dairy grazers. We had gone to Tillamook. Uh, to visit dairy farms we visited six farms up there in one day three of them said oh you're from california you want to buy my farm <laughs> and, and it, it just shocked me it, 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 it's like whoa i grew up in a little town ferndale where you know when a, when a piece of land came available five neighbors thought they they deserved it and five <laughs> others had thought they were promised it so right. it was super competitive and so as we're driving home from that few day experience um, you know, we've got our five kids sleeping in the car and I remember my wife and I just kind of visiting, you know, how are we going to make our farm uh, a viable option for our adult children 
as they go away to college and meet a spouse and make a, an adult career decision, you know, how, how will our farm be a viable option? And, and so that's really what drove us into organics uh, and, and that niche marketing in the beginning in the late 90s. And then eventually that kind of morphs into, you know, today it'd be regenerative agriculture. And, yeah. and um, I'd like to maybe touch on what I think the attributes that I – uh, as we started talking about water and rehydrating uh, soils and, yeah. and and you know drought proofing your farm, uh, you know regenerative is the solution. I'm just here to tell you know everybody farmers that are listening, especially conventional guys, they need to understand this and take a look at it. I'm not asking them to go organic and switch uh, churches and religions all at once, but just. Uh, <laughs> Just, just pay attention to some of these uh, regenerative religious principles that <laughs> that build that build organic matter in the soil. And the reason we're using a third of the water that we used to on our farm is, is because we have built organic matter, and we did that in the form of, <clears throat> you know, good management with grazing, and it's easier to do when it's a, a 100% grass-based system, and you're leaving all the material in the field all the time, and right. we're not harvesting. And, and then we would do a lot of composting of our um, wood shavings type products that are used for bedding with our maternity barn and our calves and, right. and a whole lot of extra stuff that comes in and fish waste and crab shell, shrimp shell, that stuff. And so we have done a lot of composting over the years. And some of our soils have gone from 2 or 3% dry matter or uh, organic matter to 10, 12, and even 15% now. Wow. Yeah, it's a huge wow, and it just shocked me when we started learning, you know, how how successful we were at that. Right. And and you know, with that, the biology wakes up, and the soil tilth is better, and the the infiltration rate is better of water when it when you know it doesn't stand up and puddle up anymore. It, it soaks right in, and and the soil becomes a huge sponge. That organic matter, every percent increase per acre holds 20,000 gallons of water. So we're now holding, yeah. you know, 200,000 gallons of water per acre more than we did 20, 30 years ago. And that's why we don't have to sprinkle as much on right. with irrigation. Well, and, and this all goes to show, and unfortunately we're almost out of time here, but this goes to show this idea of regenerative, uh, regenerative agriculture, which to a degree it's a bit undefined. It's not like there's a specific label for it, but the principles of it, as much as some people may think, oh, well, that's a, just a bunch of marketing hoo-ha. And I suppose it could mm -hmm. be if somebody's kind of faking it, you know, since, yep. since it is not a certification at this point and would mm -hmm. be very difficult to certify. But if you truly are, you know, not just doing that as a marketing ploy, but you actually care about that level of sustainability and following some of those practices, it's a, a really strong business decision. Um, yes. to, it's an investment in, in your operation and whether you feel good about it or not, it, it can just make a lot of sense financially, even though I think as you're saying as well, it can be an investment, you know, as investments yeah. go, a cost initially uh, that bears dividends in the future. And you have to have the foresight to stick with that uh, to make yeah. that happen. Yeah, it's definitely a commitment, but it's uh, it's certainly worth taking a look at. There are a handful of groups now that are doing certifications and verifications. We were we were kind of the, uh, America's first certified regenerative farm in, in the U.S. about three years ago by two different groups. And so they're out there yeah, and true, true. It, it, it does add some value. <clears throat> Retailers, consumers 
are really um, resonating, you know, to, to this. And and, uh, and I think it's mostly about sequestering carbon. You know, as we yep. build that organic matter, it, you know, 50 some percent of that is, is carbon. And so, you know, our cows are not the problem. Our cows are part of the solution yep. to the whole, you know, greenhouse gas exactly global right. warming story. And so, that is a message that more and more people need to hear because there's this this narrative about animal agriculture being the problem. Um, depending on how it's done, it may or may not be. But the point is we need to do animal agriculture the right way, not do away with animal agriculture, which some people seem to be, you know, fake milk, fake meat, all yeah. that. No, that's not the answer answer um so yeah i think that that's something that more and more people need to be hearing unfortunately we're out of time but uh, let's stay in touch always good to get an update from down in california i wish we had time to get into the a2 milk a little bit more too um, and the benefits of that i know some folks up here are playing with that as well but no again nobody on the scale of you folks down at alexander family farms blake alexander um who runs and owns the farm along with his uh, wife stephanie and their family thanks for taking the time to chat with us this morning here on, on the program up here in washington state you're welcome it was my pleasure enjoy it